Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Hey, everyone. Good morning. It is good to see you. I just love the sound of people talking to each other. Isn't that awesome? For those of you that, you know, feel really uncomfortable during that time, um, you know, we're praying for you. We love you. We're glad you're here. (laughs) Seriously, it's just like doing anything that makes us uncomfortable. You know, the first 27 times, it feels terrible. And then on the 28th time, it's just a little bit better. (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Nick, and uh, I'm a part of our pastoral team here at Koinonia. And um, it is Father's Day and so I just need you to know that this message is not at all about that, okay? Because I know that there's going to be some of you listening and you're just waiting for me to like somehow connect it to Father's Day. It's going to be distracting. So just from the top, you don't need to do that. Just don't try, okay? <laughs> it's not about Father's Day. Um, we are still in our series on scent. And today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 16. And this is a really fun story. Um, and it, it is really been messing with me, okay? It's been messing with me and making me feel a little bit uncomfortable um, and, and pushing me closer to Jesus. And so my hope today is that the same thing happens to you as we explore it together because it is a, it is a bit of an uncomfortable story. And so we're just going to dive right in. Is that okay? Okay, why don't we pray first because only a couple people said that. God, thank you that we have the privilege to learn from your word. It is a privilege to study the Bible together as a church community. And so we invite you to teach us from your word, to shape us today, and to transform us into the image of your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so so we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. If you have your um, Bible, I would encourage you to to go there, and um, you're going to notice that no verses will appear up here. Um, because I want you to use the Bible that you use. Because um, this giant Bible is not in your living room or your bedroom or your, you know, in your bathroom. Um, so, but yours is there, okay? So turn with me to Acts 16. And we're going to look at this experience that Paul and Silas have. They have this kind of roller coaster ride um, in their ministry journey. So Paul and Silas are commissioned by the, the elders and church leaders to travel around and strengthen all of these churches in the surrounding area. And so they are, they are sent by the church to go out and preach and encourage and, um, you know, strengthen the Christians around. And so the way that they did this was they walked. <laughs> Could you imagine walking to another city? Like, just take that in. Well, their missionary journey, they're walking. That's a super important point because God messes with their missionary journey. And I can't help but think how annoying that must be for Paul and Silas. So we read in in Acts 16, in verse 6, um, Paul and Silas go through this region called Phrygia and Galatia because they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Just let that sink in. Paul and Silas are sent by the church. They're commissioned. They're filled with the Spirit. They're ready to preach the gospel. They're going to Asia, and God is like, no, I don't want you to go there. Remember, they're walking. 
So they're on their way to Asia, and whatever it means for the Holy Spirit to forbid you from going, that happens. Then they have to turn around and walk somewhere else. Isn't it annoying when God interrupts our plans? <laughs> Ask Paul and Silas. So then verse 7, um, they come up to a place called Mysia, and they attempt to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Okay. They're sent. What's the problem? <laughs> I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Spirit of Jesus forbids them going to, to this place. Now, I love this about Paul and Silas is they don't, they don't give up. And so next, after this, in verse 8, they pass by Mysia and they go down to Troas. And in Troas, Paul has a vision. And before I tell you about this vision, I just, I just can't help but wonder how many times God has sent us somewhere or he's given us a passion for something, desire for something. Maybe he's placed us in a new community or job. And then while we're sent and we're on our way, we reach an obstacle and we're like, ah, that probably wasn't God who sent me here. <laughs> how many times do we reach opposition or something that's difficult and we give up? I do this all the time. The first sign of trouble, I'm like, that probably wasn't God speaking, was it? We were talking about this at, at youth a couple weeks ago, and one of the guys just simply said, like, you know, when God interrupts our plan, it's not actually an interruption for God. Because <laughs> it's his plan. And he is simply directing us. And sometimes our plans need to be interrupted by God in order for us to focus on what he is doing and where he is sending us. You know, I, I just, I don't like to over-spiritualize stuff, but, like, what if the reason that you can't get a close spot at Costco is not because the devil is attacking you or something? <laughs> like, what if, what if the reason you can't park right there is because God wants you to park in the back row, and he's sending you back there? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually being serious. This is the kind of stuff I joke about, but I really believe that God interrupts our plans for his purposes, not just to frustrate us. Okay, so back to Paul's vision. So in uh, verse 9, Paul has this vision in the night, and there's this man from Macedonia standing there urging them to come. He's calling them to say, come, help us. Come to Macedonia. And so when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel there. I just love it. He's like, all right, God's calling us there. We're going to go. Maybe he hesitated, and he was like, God, don't you dare forbid me from going there. I don't know. So they make it to, they make it to a place called Philippi. And we, we read about, about their travels. Skip down with me to verse 16. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I got ahead of myself here. Before verse 16, Paul and, and Silas, they're, they're going to the river. They meet this woman, and her name is Lydia. And she is ready to receive the gospel. So they share it with her. She receives the gospel. Um, her family believe as well and her household. So Paul and Silas go to Lydia's house to stay. So just, just think about this in the context of this whole thing so far. They tried to go to Asia, and God said no. Then they tried to go to this other place. And God said no. And God, finally, they make their way to Philippi, and they have some success. 
this woman receives Jesus in her whole household. This is a big win, right? This is a win for the kingdom. If I was Paul and Silas, I'd be like, finally, why didn't you send us here in the first place? Maybe they needed some, some inside work done while they were walking. Um, so now we come to verse 16. They're in Philippi. They've had some, some kind of ministry success here. And then we find out that there's this girl um, who is a, a slave girl, and she is possessed by demonic powers. And because of these demonic powers, she has this, like, fortune-telling ability. This is in the Bible, by the way. Um, so she has this ability, and so her, her master gets money for this girl to tell people what their future is. And we read that this girl, in verse 17, she's following around um, Paul and Silas, and she's just crying out. She's yelling. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. We read that she kept doing this for many days, and Paul got annoyed. <laughs> this is also in the Bible. Paul was annoyed, and so he turned to the Spirit, and he said, I command you, in the name of Jesus, come out of, here, come out of her. And the Spirit was gone. So awesome. Now, I, I was like, Paul, dude, this is free marketing. What, what's your problem? Like, she seems to be saying something truthful here. So I was sharing this with a, with a friend who gives me feedback on, on my sermon notes, and he's like, so, I don't mean to be annoying here, but this, just so you know, this is not really apparent to us in English, but he knows Greek, Greek grammar. Can you imagine studying Greek grammar? Um, but he has, because God has sent him to do that. And, and so he, he shared with me, hey, we kind of missed the reason for Paul's anger here. Because of the things that are going on in the Greek grammar that I cannot explain to you, but I'll allow you to trust me. Um, this girl is saying that Jesus is simply a way of salvation. So she's, she's following these guys around saying, hey, these guys are servants of Jesus, and he is a way of salvation. And the reason for Paul's anger is because he believes Jesus is the way of salvation. And that's why he's so annoyed. That's why he does not want the free marketing, because it's actually not that helpful. Now, because of Paul's annoyance in casting out the demon, this then causes another problem. Because the owner of this slave girl was making money from her, and now his income source has been removed by Jesus, by the power of Jesus, which is pretty awesome. And this gets Paul and Silas into some trouble. This slave owner, he takes Paul and Silas and puts them in front of the magistrates of the city. They get everybody worked up, and they, they beat Paul and Silas, and they throw, them, they throw them in jail. Is that a ministry win or ministry loss? Win, loss. You're like, I don't know the answer. <laughs> it's fine. We'll chalk it up as a loss. Uh, <laughs> I actually had a similar thing happen to me one time. Ministry loss. Can I tell you a story about when I was sent to prison? Uh, okay, so this is a true story, and um, some people are laughing who have heard this story already, but I'm going to share it with you. So when I was 18, I, I started hanging around the wrong crowd. No, I'm just kidding. Um, when I was 18, I spent some time with Youth with a Mission, and my school was in this little town in Switzerland um, called DeVos, and every year DeVos is the host of the World Economic Forum. This is basically like a, like a summit conference for like politicians and leaders and anybody else who's kind of rich enough to be a part of the conversation. And they all come into this little town in Switzerland. And the reason they host this big 
fancy event in this little town is because it's so little. It's surrounded by mountains, so it's really easy for the Swiss military to protect. <laughs> so the school strategically lines up the week of teaching on evangelism and street ministry with the week of the economic forum. Um, every year they do this, and they trust like 18-year-olds, skiers and snowboarders, to go out into this police-infested town and share the gospel. So that's what we were doing. Um, on the day, that, the first day that we were supposed to go out, I, I kind of stopped listening when they were telling us like, where to go and where not to go. Um, so that caused some problems. Um, my friends and I were, were walking, and we were handing out cookies with smiley faces on them, which is a bit of a red flag, but uh, we thought that was a great idea to just help people smile and you know, kind of be an entry point for conversation. And so I walked straight into this tunnel that I should not have walked into. The, I, I don't read German. Um, and no, nor did I listen to my leader. And uh, I've got this bucket of cookies, and I'm just fired up, ready to, you know, pray for people. And this police officer is at the other end, and he escorts us down to this, this dead end. And so we're in this little stairwell, and he takes our, our IDs. And this poor guy, he speaks like five languages, but not English. And so when he asked me, like where we were from, I was like, oh, I'm from Canada. He's like, you speak French. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I got nothing. This felt so dumb. Um, anyways, we're down there for 45 minutes. And then a Swiss SWAT team shows up. And so I'm down here, and this guy, I'm telling you, he stands right at the top of the stairs like this. He's got knee pads on. Like, this guy is ready for action. His black sunglasses. And so he calls each of us to come up the stairwell, and he pushes us against the wall, zip ties our, our hands behind our back, and throws all me and my two other friends into separate police vehicles. Hilarious. <laughs> it was like from a movie. I'm back there. There's a guy on either side. I'm freaking out. And, uh, you know, I'm praying. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen here, but just, I, you got to do something. Um, <laughs> so we get to the police station. They put each of us in separate holding cells. And I didn't learn this until later, but this SWAT team, they treat everybody like they've done something truly terrible. So they don't actually know why they're picking us up. They just know they need to pick us up. So we're in separate holding cells. And this is not just like a room with like, you know, a drop ceiling and a door that's locked. This is like, there's bars. There's like one of those sink toilet combinations, you know? You, you go in the bottom and wash your hands in the top. That was there. And uh, so then these police officers come in. They're like, hey, we need to search all your clothing. So take it all off. I'm like, okay. So we're, remember, we're dressed for a day of street ministry in the winter. So I've got a thousand layers on, taking these, oh my goodness, it was truly, I was just like, all right. <laughs> you know, we're going to read that Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praises to God. I was not doing that. I was like, God, what on earth are we doing here? Anyways, we make it out of prison alive. Uh, with all of our clothes. And finally, this nice lady who spoke English, she was like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry, but we just got to treat everybody like they've done something terrible. So, you know, just come back with your passports and we'll check you in. Everything's going to be fine. I was like, you want me to come back here? Are you crazy? We did. Because uh, I didn't want to get hunted down by the Swiss police. Anyways, I share that story with you for the purpose of some humor. Um, but, but also, I share it because sometimes when we have a plan... God is probably going to interrupt it. My plan that day was to do street ministry, and I spent most of the day with 
some police officers that I did not want to spend time with. I even tried, though, to one of them. I was like, hey, like, do you want a cookie? And he was just like, no. <laughs> I was sent. What can I say? Okay, let's get back to uh, Paul and Silas' story because it's going to be a lot more encouraging for you. I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? I'm going to read the whole story front to back, and then we're going to work through it with our, our time that we have left. So starting at verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, Men who are Roman citizens, and they have thrown us into prison. I feel you, Paul. And they, do they throw us out now in secret? No. Let them come and take us out themselves. The police then reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers... And they encouraged them, they departed. Isn't this a wild story? Like, we got miracle earthquakes. We've got, like, this midnight salvation party happening at the jailer's house. Like, this is awesome. This is, this is what I want. Like, God, send me there, please. This sounds so awesome. I want to highlight a gap that we have here between verse 24 and 25. 24, Paul and Silas are locked up. 25, they're singing worship songs. What happened there, in that gap. Um, I was talking about this with Pastor Nathan this week, and, uh, you know, it's really easy for us to take these guys who we read about in the Bible and just, like, put them on a, we think they're like the Avengers of the Bible, you know, like, they never doubt God, they never have any questions, they're just full of faith all the time, and we don't actually know how these guys felt, but we do know that they were just normal human dudes, just like me and you. And when my plans get interrupted, I tend to question. I tend to blame somebody. You know, the devil, God, my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> we... <laughs> you, you know it's true. I'm not the only one. In this gap, I can only imagine that Paul and Silas were wrestling with their faith. 
They were wrestling. God, you send us here. We cast this demon out. Lydia and her whole family is saved. You're going to now just put us in prison? But Paul and Silas did something that I think all of us need a reminder to do, and that is to put our eyes on Jesus when things do not go according to our plan, because he may have a different one. And I love that it takes a miraculous earthquake to show Paul and Silas what God's plan was. Because if I, I like to think that if I was there in that prison and I'm, you know, singing how great thou art, something, and the prison doors open up, I like to think that I would have done what Paul and Silas did. But to be honest, I would have booked it. I would have been out of there. And, I mean, this is a miraculous earthquake. Isn't this how God is supposed to get people out of prison? But God had a different plan for this earthquake. The moment the earthquake hit, in verse um, 27, the jailer thought that all the prisoners were gone. And Paul was like, dude, it's okay, take it easy. We're all still here. Don't take your life. And this moment is the moment that God put Paul and Silas in prison for. (laughs) Because this jailer receives Jesus. He was the reason for the interruption to Paul and Silas's plans. And I wonder what the reason is for God's interruption to our plans. We won't know until we allow him to interrupt us. I wonder, so Paul and Silas, they have clearly given up the right for things to go according to their plan, right? They allow themselves to be put in prison. They're, they're, they're worshiping God instead of trying to negotiate with the jailer. And I just wonder what would happen if we gave up the right for things to go according to our plans. Like, you know, God, I, I really need to be on time for this meeting at work today. But if there's someone who needs help, help me see them. <laughs> but God, I've been trying to connect with my, my teenager, and I'm so tired and I'm ready for bed. But God, please give me an opportunity to talk to them before we go to sleep. Every parent of a teenager... <laughs> I remember so many times my dad's about to go to bed. I'm like, Dad, I got to talk to you about something. I can only imagine internally. He's like, I can do this, you know. That's part of giving up the right for things to go according to our plan. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, his plan, it becomes very clear. And our plan begins to fade away. Now, we read that the jailer takes these guys back to his house. They, he cleans up all their, their wounds, because remember, they were beaten yesterday. That sucks. Uh, so he, he washes them up. He gives them a meal. Paul and Silas baptize their family. They're celebrating. This is happening at midnight and beyond, by the way. So we, we're having this midnight gospel. This is like youth ministry, what's happening. You stay up late and worshiping and eating food. This is what's happening. But then we have another gap that we need to acknowledge. Because verse 34, they're having this gospel midnight party. Verse 35, Paul and Silas are back in prison. Can you imagine what that conversation was like at dinner? The the jailer is like, so guys, um, you know, thanks for introducing us to Jesus and baptizing our family. Uh, You got to go back to jail. (laughs) Right? If I was Paul and Silas, I'd have been like, hey, thanks so much for the meal. We love you guys. We'll see you in heaven. We got to go. God just set us free, remember? But Paul and Silas's eyes were on Jesus. And the reason that they were in jail in the first place 
was for the jailer to receive the gospel. And if they didn't go back with him, he was going to be killed in the morning. They had given up the right to their own plans and went back to prison. It's crazy. So then we find out in the morning, when morning comes, um, Paul reveals that they are Roman citizens. And this causes a problem for the magistrates because what just happened to Paul and Silas was totally illegal under Roman law. As a Roman citizen, you, had, you, you were protected from this kind of thing happening to you. So you could say, hey guys, I'm a Roman citizen and I want to appeal and I need a trial before you do anything to me. And legally, that's what they were allowed to do. So that kind of begs the question, well, why didn't you do that before you were beaten? Before you spent the night in prison? <laughs> right? That's why this story makes me so uncomfortable. That's what I would have done. That's what I tried to do in Switzerland, but no one spoke English. I wonder what God is going to call us to entrust to him. As, as our plans are interrupted. So that we might accomplish what he has sent us to do. Paul and Silas, they trusted God so much that they even trusted him with their rights as a Roman citizen. This is crazy. Because their eyes were on Jesus and they believed that he had sent them to accomplish his work. So, I want to remind us that as we are sent, as we go to work, to to school, to our families, um, you're going to have some interruptions to what feels like your plan. And the moment that those interruptions come, just take a deep breath, don't freak out, and put your eyes on Jesus. Because he is going to clarify for you what that interruption is all about. And it may be really specific, like the Roman jailer, and it may not be that specific. And he may just say, son, daughter, this is an opportunity for me to shape you into my image. So how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? There's just two simple things that I want to share with you and that I want you to hold on to and and remember. The first thing that is required in order to keep our eyes on Jesus is to take them off of ourselves. What would it have looked like for Paul and Silas if they were in there, you know, hanging onto the bars like, hey, you can't do this to us. We've got this mission. God, you sent us. What, why are you? Uh. They had taken their eyes off of themselves. And I believe that's what they were doing when they were singing and praying. As we are sent, the Spirit is going to challenge us to take our eyes off of our calendar. That one freaks me out. I live by my calendar. Off of our calendar, you know, off of our news feed, our eyes off of our bank accounts for a moment. And place our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, God's plan is going to become clear. And our plans will simply move to the side. To keep our eyes on Jesus, we must take our eyes off of ourselves. And the second thing that I see here that Paul and Silas have done is they have practiced Um, knowing what God's leading looks like. So Paul and Silas know what it looks like to be led by God. 
because they weren't confused when the earthquake came, right? They weren't like, this is God's earthquake, we're out of here. No, they knew what it looked like to be led by God. And that takes practice. I'll never forget as a teenager being like, Dad, I just want to hear God's voice. And he's like, well, you're going to have to practice listening. And that is a part of putting our eyes on Jesus, is simply practicing listening and watching for God's leading. You know, it probably is not going to sound like, hey, see that guy over there with the red hoodie? Yeah, go get him. (laughs) Probably not what it's going to look like. It may be just a, a sense in your heart. It may be scripture that you read in the morning, and that scripture comes to mind when somebody cuts you off. This is part of what it looks like to live with our eyes on Jesus. He is directing us. He is shaping us. And he is transforming us. So to keep our eyes on Jesus, we first need to take them off of ourselves. And then we need to practice listening and looking for God's leading. And as we do those two things, we are going to be so empowered to show and share his love wherever he has sent us. We are not sent alone. I mean, only you can talk to your boss or your neighbor, you know, or that guy who you always pass because you walk at the same time in the morning. Um, only, does that not happen to anyone else? That happens to me. Okay, thank you, Tony. I'm not alone. Um, only, only you are sent to your world. But the thing is, we are not sent with individual missions. God has given Koinonia this vision to show and share the love of Jesus. But God has not only given that to Koinonia. That is the the, the vision that he has given his church around the world. So imagine a world where the church, their eyes are fixed on Jesus. Jesus carrying that same mission to show and share his love. I think we would have maybe more stories like this crazy one with Paul and Silas. And that is the kind of story that I long to see God unfold in front of me. And that is the story that I want you to see God unfold in front of you. So my challenge to you this morning is not to, you know, try and get arrested, definitely. Um, It's also not to seek miraculous earthquakes. My challenge to you this morning is to keep your eyes on Jesus. And the reason that we're talking about this together is because we need each other's help. For a long time, that was my parents' job. My dad was like, buddy, you're missing it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So look around at the people around you. Seriously, look. You're sitting beside other people. They're in front of you and they're behind you. This is the church here. And God has called us to show and share his love to the world, but also to each other. And sometimes we need that reminder. So to finish our time together, I want us to fix our eyes on Jesus as a community. So I want to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to sing together, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And we're going to sing this as individuals, but also as you sing, 
I want you to consider that you are singing this to each other as well. Because we are not sent alone on this mission. We are not sent alone into our world. We are sent together as the church of Jesus, united in him. So as we sing, sing this together and sing it over each other as well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.